But I want to oh, ask you this. But what were you strong in in school? You know what I was good at? I know there's something. I was good at cheating. Really? I No joke. This is one of my gifts is having yes. vision. Now, you can use it for bad or you can use it for yeah. good. But I was doing it for bad. Three months... I was a truck driver. Really? Right? Open road? I was 18 open wheeler? Road. It was like the, it was the <laughs> truck. It was a truck. Uh, I don't know the size. It was this truck right before you had to get the actual truck license. It's still so Imagine like the biggest U-Haul. Yeah, 100%. Giant that's, moving truck. That's what, I, that's what I drove. It was Napa car parts. I was going to deliver these things every day. I'm going to show up with joy and a positive attitude. Love it. And I'm also going to strategize on what my next move is. So I can be here for a season, but it doesn't have to be my life. Wherever you are in that season, give it your all. You're going to start helping people with yeah. self-doubt because you've lived it. Exactly. And when you talk about self-doubt from your specific story, it's going to hit people. Mm -hmm. Great and, perspective. And it's a part of your uniqueness that can help you relate and help other people with a challenge or a problem that they're going through. And then when you, you do that, my friend, dare I say, that's greatness. Hey folks, I'm excited about this interview with multi-millionaire entrepreneur and greatness guru, Lewis Howes. You may know him from his wildly popular podcast, The School of Greatness, and now he's out with a brand new book that dives even deeper. You're going to love this. Here is my conversation with Lewis Howes. All right, Lewis, I want you to take me back as far as you can, and I'm looking for the first memory of greatness that you saw as a kid? It could have been oh, maybe man. an actor, an athlete. Do you remember what comes to mind when I ask you that? Yeah, well, the first thing that came to my mind was actually the first memory of pain and sadness. Okay. Because I didn't know you were gonna say greatness. Right. So one of my first memories is deep pain and sadness and- What was I it? Got, and confusion. Yeah. And then quickly after, within the same year, I saw Greatness. greatness. Okay. So the first memory, I, well, my third memory of my life is wow. being sexually abused yeah. by a man that I didn't know. Yeah. And that was a big trauma wound. It was a big memory <laughs> that played in my mind over and over again. Mm. Within, I don't know, six months or nine months after that, I was watching TV with my dad and I was watching Ohio State football. And he was talking about the All-Americans that were on the team. And, he, and they were all being celebrated on TV. They were being talked about and I was like, I want to be an all-American athlete. Mm. So at five years old, I had like this challenging trauma and experience that created a signature inside of my memory yeah. of a wound wow. that I was just confused about. Sure. That for 25 years, that wound drove me to becoming quote-unquote great and sure. accomplishing and succeeding and developing results in my life. So that wound and that pain drove me to want to be an All-American athlete, which I did, right. two sports. Yeah. Drove me to be a pro athlete, which happened. Drove me to be good in business, which which happened. But at the end of the day, it didn't, it didn't drive me to be fulfilled mm. and feel a sense of inner peace and harmony and alignment with my spiritualness, if yeah. you will. And so those kind of first two memories were conflicting because one was a wound. It drove me for what I thought was greatness, but what I accomplished was selfish success. Mm. The selfish success isn't bad or wrong. It just wasn't fulfilling. It's empty. It was fun for moments. Sure. It, it fueled the oh, ego. Sure. It yeah. fueled my ego and yeah. it made me feel like I'm the man and I can do this and I can work hard for 10, 20 years to get a result and I'm sure. disciplined and structured. But if that doesn't still make me feel like I love and accept myself, yeah. then I need to go back and create new meaning around the memories yes. that cause these wounds. Yeah. 
And so those were the first kind of memories. So you're watching great athletes. Yes. And you've got this unbelievable, traumatic brokenness that's going mm -hmm. on. Yeah, that I have like, no clue what, no what clue. happened. I don't know how to talk to about it. I don't right. know what to do. Of course. Yeah. And so that fuels so much. You said a moment ago what you thought greatness was. How would you articulate that? Mm -hmm. The old Lewis, what was greatness? How did you define <laughs> the it? The old way was being number one, being the best, right. being a winner, um, being right, looking good. Um, winning at all costs. Yeah. That's what greatness was, yeah. but really that was just the definition of success, which mm -hmm. I think, again, success is not bad. It's just not everything. It's not all the things that we need in order to feel fulfilled and in harmony with who we are yeah. in the world. So that for me, there's a difference between success and greatness. Success yeah. is more selfish. It's about me. It's about what I want. Again, nothing wrong, but that's not going to bring you ultimate fulfillment. Yeah. It's not going to empower you to feel connected to others. Mm. And greatness is really about pursuing the goals and the dreams to accomplish what you want, but making sure you're empowering the people around you, lifting them up, making sure that they went around you as well in whatever they're doing. Yeah. And uh, that's, the, that's the difference. When I interviewed Kobe before he passed and I asked him what does greatness mean, he was like doing something that inspires others that then they do something to inspire others. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. that actually leads me to, I've, I've been playing with this because we see in culture now, certainly on social media, where greatness can get just completely confused because yeah. we look at people that are doing great. And, and I, I want to throw this at you because this is what I tell people when I'm coaching one-on-one -on -one, uh, or doing Q&A at a live event mm. and on my show that I think greatness can only be achieved once uniqueness is realized. Mm. And what I mean by that is... I think that's the quote you have up on the board in the front of the office yeah, too. It's yeah, <laughs> like your uniqueness is, is where man. the opportunity for greatness actually lies. 100%. Meaning you're going to reach people that I could never reach. I can reach people that you can never reach. Right. It's the difference between a janitor being great, a school teacher yeah. being great, a head of state being a great statesman. The point is, it is about that unique combination of what I teach on the show, talent. Mm -hmm. That's what you're good at. Those are your super tools. Passion. This is what you love to do. This is a task or a role. And then mission, which is what motivates me. What results yeah. do I want to put in the world? But then there's the yes. part that you were talking about, which is our experience and environment growing yes. up. So you take all that together and that's what makes mm -hmm. Lewis unique. I think most people are going to need to fail their way to understanding that's not what greatness is. Yes. They're going to need to try those things yep. like I did. Right. And, and maybe they learn quickly, but for me, it took me a while. Right. Um, of feeling pain and suffering and yeah. like something is not enough inside of me over and over again. Mm. And so I said, okay, I need to achieve more. I need more success, more money, more acknowledgement. And why is it not fulfilling a hole that I feel like is inside of me missing? So... After enough pain and breakdown in my life, about 10 years ago, I started to open up and I started to look in the mirror and say, who am I? Yeah. Who are you? Look at myself mm. and really reflect and be willing to look at all the parts of me that I was not proud of, ashamed of, insecure of, the things that I was concealing about me that I didn't want other people to know. The sexual abuse was one of those things. It doesn't mean you have to share about this publicly, but if there's something inside of you that you are ashamed of, that you're concealing... In definition, you are living in a powerless mindset. Right. And there's a difference between a powerless mindset and a greatness mindset. 
when you have a clear, meaningful mission and you're driven by a mission, I don't care if it's, uh, I'm in school right now and this is my season of life mm. or I'm in debt and I'm trying to get out of debt uh, or I'm building a business or I'm, I'm starting a family, whatever that season is for you, that mission, we're clearly defined by that mission and making decisions on it. That is more of a greatness mindset. When we lack a meaningful mission and we're just chasing what we see people doing on social media because we think it's going to make us feel fulfilled, mm. that is a powerless mindset. Yeah. It's really learning. Like also in the greatness mindset, I'll show you on page 201, there's a graph here. I want this everyone- This is great. This, okay. is the, this is it right here okay. where you do some reflection. Okay. So first you want to reflect and ask yourself, am I living in a powerless mindset or yeah. in a greatness mindset? Yeah. This is not a judgment of right or wrong, good or right. bad. I've been in all these different powerless mindset states at different times. Sure. And we can fall back into these states from moment to moment. But a greatest mindset is driven by a meaningful mission. Someone who turns fears into confidence. A lot of people growing up in the social media world, yep. seeing the highlight reel of everyone else, <laughs> thinking that is greatness, when yep. really it's probably mostly just success, which That's again right. is not wrong. That's right. It doesn't mean they're happy. It just doesn't mean that someone's made a lot of money that... It solves happiness problems. It solves money problems, but it doesn't solve fulfillment, mm. self-love, inner peace problems. Sometimes it causes more if yeah. you don't know how to manage that. One of the things that a lot of people forget to do is they, they mask their fears instead of going all in on their fears yep. until it becomes something they're actually confident in. Oh, I agree. And millennials and Gen Z, right? Yep. I think struggle the most with this because they don't want to face doing the hard thing day after day, month after month, year after year to overcome one fear because it's not instant gratification. That's correct. I was terrified of public speaking. I could not stand in front of a group of five people without wow. stuttering, stumbling. I could not do it. I felt so insignificant and stupid in yeah. front of every one mm. of my peers based on a set of events in school, just being in the bottom of my class and struggling sure. reading aloud, right? So... It doesn't mean I wasn't wise, but I didn't feel smart. Yeah. And so I lacked the confidence to speak publicly. I found a mentor and he said, the only way that I did this was by going to Toastmasters every week mm -hmm. for a year and practicing it every week and dealing with the humiliation until you get better. It took me like nine months until I got like a little bit better of yeah. humiliation every week. Sure. And millennials and Gen Z don't want to humiliate themselves in order to gain confidence, they want instant confidence. They want instant results and instant gratification. Well, that's what they've grown up in. Yes. And to be completely honest, boomers, my parents. Uh-huh. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to The Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. My generation, Xers, we have created an environment for millennials and Gen Z 
where we've been so worried about how they feel mm. instead of teaching them how to be. So it's about feel good versus do good. So here's what yeah. happens. And I don't want to sound like the cranky old man, Give it but, to me. but 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 sports on, was my life Give until I realized that I was on the low end of the gene pool from Lewis House. <laughs> and 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 so what I know is is that when you're not taught mm-hmm. how to lose, you never man. truly learn how to win. So I don't want to go too far yes. down that rabbit hole, but to say that what you're saying is absolutely right, that that we've got to learn how to develop grit. 100%. I don't know how you can even utter the word greatness if you don't learn how to have some grit. My man. Am I right? Exactly. And I don't think, I think all of us are in a unique way built and designed based on a set of experiences in yes. our environment, right? The uniqueness yeah. we need to bring out. Yeah. And each one of us are given a certain set of insecurities and fears that we're supposed to overcome that are actually designed for our uniqueness. Right. Mine were the insecurities of not feeling like I was enough, feeling alone, feeling abandoned, feeling sexually abused, doing poor in school. Those were my insecurities that I was designed to overcome. 100%. But I want to ask you this. I want to keep going. But what were you strong in in school? Uh, Gym class? Yeah, but there's more. There than, was nothing I was strong no, in school. Nothing at I all. I cannot think of one thing. I was, you know what I was good at? I know there's something. I was good at cheating. Really? I, I survived school, no joke, from middle school through finishing high school. The only way I was able to pass was by having amazing eyesight vision. This is not a, like a, I'm not saying this is okay or good. No, I But I that. had incredible self-awareness of okay. my surroundings. All right. This is one of my gifts is having yes. vision. Now, you can use it for bad or you can use it for yeah. good, but I was doing it for bad. But you're a really good entrepreneur. I have a Would great- Would you admit I, that? I feel like I'm a, a cre- I have a creative mind. That's what I'm saying. So yes. I'm saying that somewhere in school, yes. buried underneath all that pain, you always were creative. If I, I go talk to your teachers, they're going to go, Lewis had a creative mind. There was one subject in college. There it is. What, what is one, it? But in high school, middle school, there was nothing. Okay. There was one subject in college that was around personal branding. And I gravitated to this. And they said, it was more around like branding of like, okay, we're going to take a company and come up with like a game plan of how to market this company and how you want to brand it. And at the time, I really wanted to be in the NFL, right? So I was a senior in in college trying to get to the NFL. And I said to the teacher, can I make a case study around branding myself before personal branding was a thing? This was in 2004. I love it. There was no social media. Of course Maybe I mean, we had Facebook at the time, but it was not like a business thing. MySpace was there, but that was was it. And I said, can I create a case study where I do a personal branding package of myself? I created like a poster board. I created like a CD with like design. I created this whole pitch deck about who I was to pitch to NFL uh, scouts and coaches. And I got excited about that because there was a dream attached to it. And so I was excited. It was leaning into what you said, your passion. This was a passion yeah. and how to make it happen. That's when I started to learn about marketing and branding and uh, design and all these yeah. different things. But see, so. that's the creative part. And I just, I wanted <clears throat> yeah. the audience to hear, because you've been very yes. vulnerable and I love your transparency, but I wanted them to hear that underneath the abuse, yeah. the struggling in school, there were still some hidden Talents. Of course, yeah. That yeah. once you realize, you go, oh man, I'm I, I'm a creative guy. I'm I a was. creative thinker. And I and I always thought of myself as an artist on the field and on the basketball court. Interesting. I looked at myself not as an athlete but an artist. Okay. I was, and I wanted to inspire from my artistic expression on the field, my ability to 
overcome a problem or overcome a challenge, my ability to make a play when it seemed like no play could okay, be made. Okay, so a lot of people may not know this about you. Mm -hmm. So for a non-sports fan, stay with me. Don't yes. check out because this is relevant to what Lewis is saying. But I, I know that you are a really good wide receiver, mm -hmm. record setting. Yes. All right. And wide receivers mm -hmm. that are successful that don't have otherworldly size and speed, okay, like a Randy Moss, mm -hmm. they do it with unbelievable ability to be disciplined on the yeah, routes yeah. and see the open spaces in the That's defense. Did that, is do. that what you meant by yeah, you were an artist as a I wide was, receiver? I didn't have this. I was fast, but I wasn't NFL fast. Yeah. I was like good fast for college, right? Yeah. But I wasn't like blazing fast. Okay. Um, but I had hands and yeah. I could see the field. I could see where, where people weren't going to be and where the ball needed to go. And so that's why when I said I have I've had great vision, I didn't do it for the right things in middle school. Yeah. By like looking over and seeing the Scantron from four people over and being like, okay, I'm going to make sure that these two are the same and then the next one I'm going to change so it doesn't fully copy. I think you've got three types <clears throat> of vision going for you. You've got the eyesight to be able to scan the answers. <laughs> that's a superpower. But I have a different type of vision. But then yeah. you've got a vision for seeing where you could gaps, get open on the field. The gaps. And now you see it in the business world. And this is what allowed me to be very effective for myself in seeing the future early on of what steps I needed to take in That's order to get results. Vision. Yeah. And also I became very effective at helping other entrepreneurs just see the path mm -hmm. of what they could tell me what they wanted. That's and good. I just knew exactly what they needed to do. And a lot of the times all they had to do was get out of the fear and the self-doubt that was holding them back, which again is another part of the powerless mindset. Yeah. When you are consumed and controlled by fear and crippled by self-doubt. Yep. Those things hold us back from acting. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or something's wrong with you. Mm. It just means there is an obstacle to overcome. There is something to take action on that mm. you have yet, you've been resisting because of one of three fears, the fear of failure, the fear of success, and the fear of judgment. Mm. And if we first can identify and reflect and say, which one of these fears causes me to doubt myself the most? And we start mending and creating new memories and healing around those feelings of I'm not enough, that's when we can take action courageously on what we want. No one wants to be disciplined on overcoming their fears. They just want to outthink their fear. Yeah. But you cannot outthink your insecurities and fears. You must act through them. You must overcome them through action consistently until you embrace yeah. it and overcome it. And so that's one of the things that holds people back. Again, is identifying where, where you're at, powerless mindset, greatest mindset, and seeing which one of the fears hold you back the most, fear Absolutely. of failure, success, or judgment. I'm curious for you, before 10 years ago, mm -hmm. <clears throat> what would you say was the fear that would hold, that made you doubt yourself the most? Was it yeah. a fear of failure, a fear of success, or a fear of judgment, other people's opinions? Uh, it was the fear of the unknown, okay. which is the which is a part in, yeah, which you could probably put it in the the fear of success, mm -hmm. assuming that's how you define mm -hmm. that. Like, am I ever going to get there? Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm 33 years of age, three kids. I'd worked for John Maxwell, the leadership icon and legend. I was friends with Dave. I was MC of a large leadership event. We just started a podcast when nobody was doing podcasts. I'm talking like yeah. nobody. We still had iPods. Wow. Okay. And and so I here I am trying to become a broadcaster. Right. And I have no degree in broadcasting. 
and my my career had been politics and then working for John Maxwell and then booking celebrity speakers in Nashville. That was it. So I've got this urge to be a broadcaster. How do you get there? And so the fear that was gripping me all the time was I can't see a path for a 33-year-old guy mm. who doesn't have a lot of experience, no degree in it, and very few connections. Uh, but but failure was absolutely one of them as well yeah. because it was what happens if I go for this and, and everybody that I know goes oh he really did have bad pizza that night and he was delusional right you know so yeah th that was huge for me is is not knowing how to deal with the uncomfortable and, sure. and I've coached what five thousand plus callers on the air all right. In eight minutes, I got to coach them. They're stuck. Ken, I need purpose. I don't know what my why is, whatever the question is. But it all comes down to this. There is only so much we can know. Mm -hmm. And at some point, we have to believe have and step forward in faith yeah. and kind of go, all right, I know that I've got what it takes. I got the talent. I got the love for mm -hmm. it. And I care deeply about these results. So now I'm not going to quit because my heart's engaged. But from that point on, man, it is stepping into the unknown and that's what all great yeah. people do. They have a vision, but they don't know that the vision is going to take place no idea. in the timeline that they would like it to. And it may never happen. It almost never does, by yeah. the way. Have you noticed it's interesting. that? Well, here's the thing. I had a, 2010, I moved to New York City from um, Columbus, Ohio. Wow. And I had a dream. In 2008, I watched the Olympics. I was in a cast. I had just been like, had a surgery playing football. That's when you an broke your half, wrist. Hour and a half south of the here, I was in Huntsville, Alabama, playing arena football yeah, down there. Yeah. Broke my wrist. I was in a cast for six months from here to here, in this position for six months. But then, what they don't tell you after you get the cast off, so I couldn't straighten my arm for six months. It was in this kind of 90 degree angle. When they took the cast off six months later. I couldn't, like, my arm was so weak. My elbow, I couldn't fully extend right. the, the elbow joint. Anyways, so it was about a year and a half of, like, recovery mm. total from this surgery to where I could finally, like, extend and strengthen. But I watched the Olympics in 2008 when I was on my sister's couch. And there was a sport that I'd never seen called team handball that was playing at like 3 a.m. Because <laughs> no one knows about it in the right, USA. It's right, like a right. European thing. It's, it's, it's kind of like water polo on a basketball court here. Sure. And I saw it and I go, wow. Because when I was a kid, another thing I used to watch was the Olympics. Yeah. And that, for me, that was greatness. Oh, for sure. So I saw this sport and I go, oh my gosh, maybe I could become an Olympian in this sport. Because I knew I couldn't do it in basketball or, right. or, or football. But I go, here's a sport that no one plays. And since there's no competition in America, right. maybe I can make it. For sure. It was like me trying to be a, a curling team. You know, it's like, right. how do you do the thing that no one right. else plays? Right. But I didn't have any money. But I found that there was a team in New York City that was the national champions. And I was like, when I make enough money, I'm going to move there and I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. A couple years later, in the, at the middle of 2010, I move to New York City after making some money. Within nine months of practicing, I make the USA team. The dream come true. I'm on the team. Right. I'm one step closer to yeah. the Olympics. Now yeah. all I have to do is qualify for the Olympics with the team. Sure. Now, the challenge is we hadn't qualified for the Olympics since 1996 when it was hosted in the USA, and you get an automatic qualifier. As a host country, every team gets to go. Okay. Right? Right. So we hadn't qualified because they only take one country from North and South America to go to the Olympics in team handball. And a lot of the South American teams have professional leagues that are really good. So it's hard to win. Sure. For eight years, I traveled the world. 
with Team USA. I went to Brazil multiple times, Argentina. I went to Mexico, Uruguay, Israel, Luxembourg, the UK, uh, Canada. I trained. I got beaten up. I had injuries. Mm. It was while trying to build a business, I was chasing this dream. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I never went to the Olympics. I thought I might have a chance. Sure. It never happened. But just because the dream didn't come true doesn't mean it wasn't a dream come true. Yeah, interesting. The experience. Yeah, of course. Was the people I met, the things I learned, the things mm -hmm. I overcame. I got to wear USA against my chest and sing the national anthem in front of other sure. you know, countries and, and play against Olympic teams. So we don't know when we set out for a goal. That's right the certainty of it nope. actually happening. But it doesn't mean it can't be a fulfilling experience well, along the way. And it prepares us. So yeah. It's the process that, that's is. preparing you even now. I mean, here's the deal. You're, you've created an incredible brand, uh, one of the world's largest podcasts. You sat with people that yeah. if you don't start this podcast, oh, you may never meet. I wouldn't know any of these people, yeah. So now you've got relationships exactly. upon relationships, not to mention just moments of people that you've sat with that incredible you could- Incredible moments. Incredible. And now here you are, and we were talking uh, before we started recording. Now you're like, I'm at the place now where I've sat and I've sat and I've mm -hmm. sat. But my voice- and coming out with content, you're going to start helping people with yeah. self-doubt because you've lived it. Exactly. And when you talk about self-doubt from your specific story, it's going to hit people mm -hmm. that your someone else, yeah, yeah. there's the thing. Your uniqueness isn't just the makeup of talent and what you love to do, what you're motivated. It's how you were shaped. Mm -hmm. I, I want to ask you, because you're in a unique position on something so traumatic like mm -hmm. abuse. Yep. What's the relationship? Because I think there are people that are listening to this right now and they haven't fully healed. Mm. Oh, They've, They have overcome, but there's a difference between overcoming. You were an overcomer, but you weren't healed. I overcame for a long time. What's man. the relationship between healing and then coming out on the other side of it? Because you were successful. Yeah, but I realized that it was all from a wound. And it right. doesn't matter how much money or success or how big my following or personal brand became yeah. or the New York Times bestsellers. Right. They didn't heal me. So what changed when you got and, and is it face is it safe to assume you've gotten healing? Oh yeah, yeah okay, yeah. great. I mean, I, I know when you've I, been when very intentional. Of, yeah, when I think of, I, I'm also a believer that healing is a journey. Yeah, oh for sure. And with new seasons and new breakthroughs comes new opportunities yes. for breakdowns, which yeah. means you got to learn to keep <laughs> That's healing. Right. That's right. You know, I'm sure when That's I have good. kids, it's going to be a new season of life, a new chapter oh. that. There might be some hurts and pains. Okay, you've never experienced pain like watching your child hurt. Oh, I man. promise you that. I can imagine that's man. a whole nother level. But, so you got to learn to heal that way. You know, yeah, all these hundred percent. But for me, you know, I think of healing as peace inside of yourself. Okay, that's how I. I sure. It doesn't mean I don't have stressful moments. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean I don't have challenges and adversity and there's breakdowns. But I'm at peace with who I am. Good. All of my past, mm. because I think if we conceal past pains and we are ashamed of anything, I agree. it doesn't mean I'm proud of things, but I've taken ownership, responsibility, and acceptance that those things happened. And it's not like, oh, look at me. I cheated on these tests in middle school. I'm not proud of that. Mm -hmm. But I've accepted that I did those things. I've taken responsibility. I've owned it. And I said, okay, that's not right. And that's not what I want to be. I want to be in integrity. And I'm going to act accordingly moving forward in these certain ways. So for me, healing starts by facing yourself and facing yeah. all the parts of yourself that you are afraid to talk about. And I'm not saying you got to talk about these things publicly because I think that happens too often. If you want to talk about it, talk about it once you started healing and you feel safe within yourself. Yeah. 
don't let other people's opinions or yeah. comments or validation of your wounds make you feel better. Yeah. You've got to learn to feel better first. It took me many years to be on that journey of healing. And for me, I used to have kind of like chest pains every now and then, mm. tightness in my throat mm. that would come and go based on an emotional response when I was triggered. Yep. And when I would get triggered and reactive, it just meant, okay, someone was poking a button or life was poking a, a button that has an open emotional yeah. wound. Yep. And when a wound is open, it's going to hurt every time you get touch. Mm. And so I had to learn how to mend it and really allow it to heal and recover and create harmony within myself psychologically and emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. And it's a constant practice. Mm. I do emotional coaching almost every two weeks mm -hmm. to continue to maintain and yeah. prevent for healing for the future. Mm. So it's a journey. Yeah, you know, your story reminds me of so many that I've read or had the chance to interview people. This is not always the case, but for people that are dealing with a lot of pain right now, and as a result of that pain, they feel like they're less than, and the mm -hmm. idea of greatness is almost like scoffed at, and I get mm -hmm. it. Um, there's tremendous purpose in our pain. It yes. may not always be direct from our pain, right? but yours is another story mm -hmm. of real purpose that yeah. came from something that was really awful. It's interesting. I just got an email a couple of weeks ago, uh, excuse me, a text from a guy who had sent me a photo of a six-page letter that he sent me mm. um, from a letter from prison. Wow. From an inmate. And I've been to prisons a lot. Mm -hmm. My brother was in prison when I was eight years old until I was 12. Wow. He sold drugs to an undercover cop. And on his first time, like, getting caught, he went to prison for wow. six to 25 years, got out in four and a half on good behavior. So when I was eight, which was another trauma wound that opened yep. up for our family, sure. the shame, the guilt, the, mm. the embarrassment, the humiliation in a small town. Mm. Um, I didn't have friends during that time because other parents didn't of want course. their kids hanging out with me. Of course. And oh so, my gosh, Lewis. And so crazy. it was, uh, so I've been to prisons a lot. Yeah. And the weekends we would go to the visiting hours yeah. and, and see him and all the other inmates at mm. a young age. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I've been to prisons to give back and serve to a lot of people that have done some wrong, yeah. some really bad things. Yeah. And I have done group sessions with a room full of 25 murderers mm. who are all doing the work, yeah. who are all improving that this was 20, 30 years prior when they were you know, in a bad place. They've taken full responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's not saying it's okay what happened, sure, sure. but um, they want to improve their life mm. while they're in prison. Yeah. And a year and a half ago, I did a, a live stream during the pandemic where my friend who sent me this message, who does a lot of inmate work, mm. uh, helping men reform in prison and mm. improve their, their hearts. Mm. He asked me to do a live stream and talk about my previous book, The Mask of Masculinity, which is about healing, how men can start to heal and take off the masks that hurt them in the first place. And I did this live stream to, to, all, the, to all the prisons on their TVs and their cells. A year and a half later, I get a text from this guy that sends me a, a photo of this six-page letter. And he says, I met this person who sent this letter a couple of years prior. When I met him, he had a swastika tattooed on his chest. Mm. He was in a gang, a white gang. And for the last two years, he's been in solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is 23 hours in one little cell by yourself and then one hour outside by yourself in the, in the outdoors. Two years. He sent him this letter saying, I, I left the white gang that I'm in. And when my friend asked him why, he said, Lewis Howes and the Mask of Masculinity. I listened, I watched this live stream that you did with him. 
I got access to his book. I've read the book four times now. I didn't even realize that I had this much pain mm. and and things that hurt me. I was just acting out of reaction. Yeah. I wasn't facing myself and reflecting yes. on the things that hurt me. So I think it's a it's a process of looking yourself in the mirror, yep. whether it be literally like I did, and saying, who are you? Yeah. And reflecting and saying, are these things really serving you at the highest level, at a spiritual level? Or are they just trying to protect your ego on the material level? And allowing yourself to start getting support, start yeah. doing the work, whether that's a spiritual guide, a pastor, a priest, a coach, a friend, mm -hmm. a therapist, yeah. getting some type of support to guide you through it. Because I think a lot of us think we can do everything on our own when I just don't believe we can. So true. The greatest athletes yep. didn't win their first championship without a coach. No. And when they won, they never said, you know what? I've figured it out. I've made it to the top. Like, I don't need you, coach. That's right. They said, actually, let me go hire more coaches yep. and work on all the things that I'm deficient in and get better at oh, those things. Oh, you know this. The great athletes are hiring yeah. nutritionists. Everyone. Yeah. They're hiring physical trainers. Everything. They're hiring shooting coaches. Most NBA stars have a shooting coach yep. that they pay privately I know. and help them on that. And it's really true. You know, I'm, I'm reminded somewhere on one of these hands right here, I've got a about a three-inch scar, and this was one of the great stupid moments of my life. I'm sitting with Mr. Uh, Greatness, and I, I could do a stupid uh, podcast on dumb things I do around the house that injure myself. Did you cut yourself? Well, I did. I dropped a giant, probably a 20-pound clay pot. with a. It was a heavy pot of plant, and I was trying to get it out of my yard, and it died. It was too heavy. I let it slip. I didn't have gloves on, and I just let it go down hard, and I was still holding it, and it cracked and cut Ooh. my hand open. It was nasty. Deep. I had to go get stitches. But here, here's the thing. As I look back on that now, and I tell you that story. You see that scar? It's just little. Yeah. Look, about, see, I've got one here. It's about the same size. Okay, yeah. So here's the deal. When I rub that scar, uh -huh. as creepy as that is. Yeah, touch it. I, there yeah, you go. That's good. You can remember how you got that. Of course. You could tell me in great detail how yeah. you got that scar. It's part of your story. It's yes. in all of your books. and you know. The, but you can't feel the pain anymore. No. But you could tell me with great detail about the moment you injured that in an yeah. arena football How game. How painful it was. And it hurt like crazy. Yeah. But you can't feel that anymore. Now, yeah. here's, the, here's the fun part of that. That's healing. Yes. When we can now go back and say... Detach ourselves from the pain. And just tell a story yes. and no longer feel it. And not be heightened with this emotion. 100%. That's healing. Our nervous system relaxes. And now, But now we have great perspective. 100%. And only when we heal... And we can touch a scar like that and kind of tell the stupid story or the crazy, you know, this 300-pound guy laying it on yeah. my wrist. You know, that's when we can begin to now share that story with others with great perspective 100%. is the point. Yes. Great and, perspective. And it's a part of your uniqueness that can help you relate and help other people with a challenge or a problem that they're going through. And then when you, you do that, my friend, dare I say... That's greatness. When you it meet is. somebody where they are, you know, I'm reminded of, I think, the greatest speech that Martin Luther King Jr. ever, ever gave. And this is somewhat controversial. Not I have a dream. It's not I have a dream. Mm -hmm. And it's not I've been to the mountaintop in Memphis the night before he shot. I believe it's in Philadelphia in a gymnasium of middle school students. What and you say? know it. Tell me. He says, if it, is, if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo Ooh, painted. Yes. And he goes on to, and he goes on and then he finally says, and if it is your lot so that all the hosts of heaven look down and say, there lived the greatest street sweeper the mm -hmm. world has ever known. And what he's saying in that moment is, there is no role in society that doesn't have the opportunity to be great. Yeah, He's going, look, if, you, if, if you're supposed to sweep streets, do it greatly. And I think if you don't 
love it, do it for a season and try to strategize how to figure out what else you want to do That's eventually. Right. But do what you're doing at the best of your ability. For three months, I was a truck driver. Really? Right? Open road? I was 18 wheeler? Road. It was like the, it was the <laughs> truck. It was a truck. Uh, I don't know the size. It was this truck right before you had to get the actual truck license. Okay. Yeah, it's still so Imagine like the biggest U-Haul. Yeah, 100%. Giant that's, moving truck. That's what, I, that's what I drove. Wow. I drove it six and a half hours a day for three months, five days a week. I needed a job in between morning practice and afternoon practice. So this was six and a half hours a day. Was this during the handball or this was, was this football? football. This is arena this football. This is before the, okay, gotcha. Before this. But this was kind of like, I wasn't playing, right. but I was practicing to try to make a team. Of course, yeah. And I couldn't really find anything, but a, a buddy yeah. of mine had a dad who had a trucking company. I go, hey man, you got some extra stuff, and extra yeah. shifts. And he's like, we got a route that goes from Columbus, Ohio to Cincinnati and back. And I don't know, it's probably like going from uh, Nashville to Louisville, Kentucky and back yep. or something, or down to Birmingham sure. and back. It's about two and a half hours down, two and a half hours back. But the truck only went 55 miles an hour, pedal to the metal the whole way. Yeah. So I had to be in the right lane the whole time. Of course. This was back in 2006. There was, there was no CD player in the, in the truck. It was a radio. And... There was no phones. It was like, there was no Bluetooth. There was right. no, it was yeah. like, no cell phones. Yeah. So I am literally singing songs to myself mm -hmm. and just imagining and dreaming other stuff. But I'm like, I'm going to be the best person I can be on the road. Yeah. I'm going to deliver the, it was Napa car parts. I was going to deliver these things every day. I'm going to show up with joy and a positive attitude. Love it. I'm going to say hi to people when I drop these things off and say, have a great day. And... And I'm also going to strategize on what my next move is so I can be here for a season, but it doesn't have to be my life. Yeah. And so, but wherever you are in that season, give it your all. Yeah, I love that. You poured your guts out in this book. Mm -hmm. I know, I mean, we've, we've written books and it's, yeah. I've always told people, it's like, it's like delivering a mental baby. You know, like this thing <laughs> has been baking for a while yes. and it goes through all the processes. Yes. What do you want people? I mean, there's a lot in this book. Mm -hmm. Okay, you cover a lot. Mindsets action-oriented things. What is the one thing you want a person, they finish this last page and they put it down. Mm -hmm. What's a thought, a two-part question, and what's a feeling that you want the reader to leave with? I want people to know that they are loved, they are worthy, and they matter. Love that. But you must be willing to accept it and take action to believe it. Yes. And that means you may not have the evidence right now to accept it and believe it. Mm-hmm. You have to know that innately you are unique, like you said. Yeah. That doesn't mean you haven't overcome the fears and challenges that hold you back, but you need to be willing to accept that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter mm. by taking action to really believe it. Mm. And this is, a, this is a book that I wish I had at 15, at 21, at 30, at different stages of my life when I felt uncertain of the future, mm -hmm. when I felt stuck, when I felt broken down, when I felt successful and still not enough inside. Yeah. So this has been a 10-year journey of me asking the greatest minds that I can find sure. about how to overcome self-doubt and actually love and accept yourself when you're losing and failing yep. and when you're succeeding and winning. Yes. Because most people feel like a failure on both sides. Mm -hmm. I have nothing going for me, mm. I'm a failure. I'm winning and successful, I still don't feel enough. Yep. So how do we get to feel and experience that we are loved, worthy, and matter mm. no matter where we're at? It doesn't mean we get to be complacent. It just means we accept where we're at and we're working to improve and get better. Yeah. And that's what, what I want people to know.
been privileged to know you for a while uh, from afar. We've been able to hang out very a uh, few times just in conversation like today. And one of the things that I love about you is that you've been very intentional and you've created a great program where you've taught people, you've modeled the way mm-hmm. of just sitting and being curious. Yeah. And it's the greatest tool that we have it, is man. curiosity, is the ability to ask questions. So you model the way, you've touched a lot of people by that show. And so I, I want to make sure you hear that. Thank you, brother. Oh, man, That's I all we got. It. Hey, man, appreciate you. Thanks, thanks for coming brother. by. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Lewis Howes and to you for hanging out with us in this conversation. The Greatness Mindset is the book. You're going to learn something that will help you with your own path to greatness. Check it out. And hey, don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, Make sure that you are giving us a like, a follow, and finding a way to share it with somebody who needs it.